0: Welcome back to the Iowa Journalist Podcast Series, brought to you by the University of Iowa School of Journalism and Mass Communications. I'm your host, Jack Martin. On this episode, I talk to Jamel Bowie, who currently works for the New York Times as an opinions columnist. What made you want to become a journalist? Was it a lifelong dream, or was there like a particular occurrence that pushed you towards the field?
1: Uh, I, didn't, I didn't have any particular dream of becoming a journalist. Um, when I started college, I, I think I wanted to maybe go into law, but... Uh, through sort of a, basically a series of happenstance and circumstances that ended up, ended up uh, being pushed into journalism or making my way into journalism. So I uh, had started a blog in college, uh, late in college and that blog got readers through that blog. I ended up meeting actual professional writers. They sort of hooked me up with freelance gigs and introduced me to other writers and editors And by the time, you know, a year after I graduated, I found myself looking for a job and one of them recommended a fellowship to me at a magazine called the American Prospect. And I applied for it and I got the job. And so didn't necessarily have any aspirations becoming a journalist, but um, uh, again, found myself in that field just by way of making use of opportunities that came my way and deciding that, yeah, I think I can do this.
0: So this is a question that I've been thinking about lately and I'm Going to be I'm doing an independent study with the journalism school and I'm gonna be starting a podcast series kind of centered around this question so I'll pose it to you so what does it mean to be a journalist especially in the current political climate and what does it take to be one
1: uh, I mean I think it's what it means to be a journalist in the current political climate is what it's always meant which is to have an interest in truth and accuracy and fairness I think that in this, I think what it takes to do those things is also what it's always taken, which is you know tenacity, curiosity, a willingness to be wrong, and a willingness to explore all the information available uh, to put yourself out there and need to be. And you know a good deal of humility that we are in the business of trying to explain and contextualize things. Sometimes we get things wrong and we should be forthright about that.
0: Cool. I guess one of the challenges has been you know, in the last few years under this administration with all of the hostility that's been kind of presented towards journalists and the media, what kind of challenges have, you know, presented themselves that might not have necessarily been there in
1: the past? I don't, I mean, for someone in my position, I'm not sure if there's anything new. What I will say is that the extent to which, you know, the, part of the, uh, the administration or the president's attack on journalists is the idea that, we purvey, you know, fake news or whatnot. And I think that what has changed is the extent to which ordinary people are just so much more skeptical and hostile towards journalists. And so trying to explain to ordinary folks what we do and provide some transparency to what we do, I think has been one of the challenges of the past few years. I think that that transparency might be the only way to shake people of the notion that journalists are in the business of you know, fabricating information.
0: So I guess, what's it like writing for such a large renowned publication, like during this time where the media and journalists are, you know, constantly being attacked or questioned for their integrity and all that?
1: On a day-to-day for, again, for someone like me, a columnist, it's not too much different than how my, how it was when I worked for Slate or when I worked for any place before then. I, you know, I still do the same process of looking looking for things to write about, for researching, doing reporting, working with an editor, working with, you know, the production team, you know, it, it's at the end of the day, it's a job and it has sort of the same rhythms as any job does. Um, I think for my colleagues who are on the investigative side, who are in the newsroom, they may face different kinds of obstacles because of the nature of their of their uh, business. But for columnists, I don't think it's changed still that much. Again, there's so much more public facing too. So I think if anything, what has changed is is again, the degree to which we are engaging with uh, people who are just so much more intensely skeptical of what we do than they might've been beforehand. I mean, a change that I've noticed just, you know, kind of
0: growing up and seeing, you know, kind of the emergence of social media and the point that it's gotten to now and how it's, you know, played a role in the political landscape and, you know, just doing research. I saw that you have a large Twitter following and how do you think that social media has affected journalism in the modern age?
1: I mean, there's so many different ways to approach that question. So, you know, you can take it from an institutional standpoint in that social media is so much how, how we reach audiences these days and that kind of shapes incentives, um, shapes how the kinds of stories you, uh, that are produced, the ways in which they're produced. There's the level of the individual journalists, um, your know, political journalists spend a lot of time on Twitter And there's an extent to which, if they aren't careful, their sense of what is actually happening in the world can be overly influenced by Twitter. Obviously, the president spends a lot of time on Twitter, and so that also influences how journalists approach this. So I I, I mean, it's it's that's like practically a dissertation subject, right? Social media has been this. Really tremendous force for changing journalism in so many ways. You know, for, I already mentioned institutionally individual journalists, but who becomes a journalist who makes their way up um, is a is a process that is so much more um, porous and diffuse than it was before. That people can go from being, you know, prolific people on Twitter to being, you know, columnists and journalists and such. Those aforementioned ways are the ways are the big ways I can think of. And then just the fact that it's democratized criticism so much more than it's ever been before. In the past, you know, if you worked for a paper, you're a columnist, you would get your criticisms in the mail, maybe they published a few on the opinion page. Now you can see criticism, good faith and bad, um, nonstop, uh, if you so choose to, and that i think that could be good in a sense um it could also very obviously be quite negative depending on on the tenor of that criticism
0: yeah because i was going to ask i guess what's it like now like having that access you know to your fan base or even people that have criticisms of you just so readily available is it something that you ever get used to or is it always just kind of a bit weird to just you know be able to put something out and put out a piece of content and then immediately have all these responses good and bad
1: I mean, I, I, you know, I, I appreciate it. To some extent. I do like talking to readers, whether they have negative reactions or not. I, I do like um, interacting with people, um, seeing what they think, maybe clarifying what I think kind of engaging in this sort of discourse and back and forth. Uh, obviously the things I, I do not like are, are the, not even the negative uh, remarks, sort of the very hostile stuff mm-hmm. um, sort of, I think, despite all the transparency and all the openness, there's also the extent to which there is like this divide, right? It's not, it's not obvious to people how someone becomes a columnist, what qualifications they may have or, or whatnot. And so, you know, for every good faith interaction, for every positive one, there is someone who's like, well, obviously you're lying or obviously you're being dishonest. And um, that's like, you know, I, I, I tend not to engage with that stuff because it's sort of, it's coming from a place of, like I said, hostility, that I, I don't think is warranted. Um, most people on both sides of this are just doing what they're doing in good faith. And so that's, that's the spirit I bring to it. And that's when people kind of bring the spirit to me, I'm happy to engage. I
0: guess, what's it like writing for
1: the New York Times? Like,
0: do you find being an opinion columnist more, I guess, freeing than reporting? And I guess, what's the difference between the two in your eyes, between you know what we think of as reporting and columns?
1: Um, well, you know, I've been I've been writing, uh, doing opinion journalism for a while. So the, at the Times, the big difference, just in terms of the difference between doing opinion journalism at Slate and and been doing it at the Times, is just sort of the the scope. Like, if, if the platform is so much bigger, um, like in order of magnitude, so, and there's so many more resources to do stuff um, with your columns. So that's that's just kind of a the more research, resources are nice. The larger platform has its benefits and its drawbacks. So, as far as contrasting with reporting, I mean, so I do reporting in my column, but I, and I, I guess there's some extent to which you could call me, call me a reporter, but I, I, like, I make the distinction between opinion writing and news gathering, right? I, I'm not necessarily trying to break news. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not uh, going to sources in the traditional sense and trying to get stories that no one else has. I am, and that's sort of, that's what, that's what they do, news gatherers, news reporters are in the business of uncovering the novel and the new, presenting it to you as neutral as possible, giving you the necessary context for it, um, helping inform you about the things that are happening. And I see my job as offering kind of informed context about what is happening and offering a spin on it, not in a negative way, but sort of like, this is my perspective. Um, Here's what it's informed by, and here's what I think the things that are happening in the news mean. Um, And, you know, one thing that makes it different doing that at the Times versus anywhere else, that at the Times, you know, people do listen to that. Um, They have, the the wide readership means that when you, you make a judgment, when you make an argument about something—it does get a very far and wide hearing, and that um, that that can be quite powerful.
0: How would you say your voice and your columns contribute to the collective voice
1: of the editorial pages of the Times? So, my my column tends to lean very heavily on history and social science, and I think that's sort of what I bring to the editorial page—a not just not a. Um, I'm not a historian, but I spend a lot of time reading historians and thinking about history and thinking about the methodology of history. And I'd like to say that I bring a historian's lens, meaning not just the usage you know, of reference to historical facts, but an understanding of what history is and what the discipline's trying to do. And um, bringing, that, bringing that knowledge to bear on you know, contemporary issues in our politics in sort of a broad way. So thinking about, you know, things like what does the constitution mean? You know, what do protests mean? I mean, thinking of those things, historicizing those things, thinking of them as discrete um, historical questions and bringing that bringing that to bear. And I think I, I, think that's what I bring to the page. Uh, that's my specific kind of value, value add.
0: You find yourself drawing a lot you know from the social sciences and histories you know i don't know i i don't know like more than ever but necessarily like a lot especially considering how the last few months have played out in the country and all that like have you been finding yourself kind of looking for you know different things that relate to this period that have happened in the past to you know kind of provide that context for readers about what's happening now
1: i mean i I find myself flying in history a lot but not necessarily in that way more in a way of saying more it's more akin to a here is like this thing that happened raised these issues and here's sort of like the history of these particular issues here's how they've played out in the past or uh thinking of yeah i mean as i think about it i think that the way i just put it is the right way to put it not necessarily trying to find direct comparison points because that can kind of lead you astray but trying to drill down into like the essence of a dispute In trying to find the history of the dispute um, and, and the ways in which that is, you know, shaped past political conflicts.
0: What's kind of like a typical day as, you know, a journalist for you, like what's, you know, your kind of process behind getting columns written and, you know, doing the research and kind of putting everything together, like what's that like in the day for you?
1: I mean, the typical day usually involves, I mean, I'm always, I talk to my editor most days. Um, I'm on Twitter, I'm reading uh, the news. I'm always reading books of some sort. And a typical day usually begins with me going through my notebook to see you know, what little observations um, I've had about news events, what ideas I may have had about sort of like areas of in- in- inquiry um, and also just checking the news itself and seeing what if there's any sort of connection between what's happening and things I've just been thinking about and noodling about um, and uh, musing about if there is um, and if, if it's something that can be kind of put into the form of an argument or put into the form of an exploration then I'll spend an hour you know just brainstorming and trying to figure out how to make that happen. And once I have a decent idea, once I have a brainstorm basically and a a decent outline for what I'm gonna do, I just start my research, whether that's reading books, uh, journal articles, if I need to make any phone calls, talk to anyone, uh, both to gather information and to confirm things to make sure I'm on the right path. And that can take, you know, uh, my, I write two columns a week, my turnaround time is pretty quick. And so um, the research might take you know the better part of a day and then the the date and the next day usually the day i have to file I, just, I spend writing um once i finish writing i give it to my editor my editor does his thing he sends it back to me i go through his edits i send it back to him and then he sends it off to the copy desk to get it ready for uh, publication and that's usually how these things go
0: you know we kind of touched on it a little bit with social media playing into the political landscape affecting things, but how do you kind of see the landscape of journalism changing over the next couple of years? Do you think that there are more challenges ahead or is there, you know, light at the end of the tunnel?
1: I, you know, I honestly have no idea. That's not something I've I've thought a ton about. Um, I mean, it it seems that the single biggest change for the landscape is just going to be the ongoing collapse of local and regional outlets, which really does kind of, You know, that that transforms, there'll be, across the country there will be fewer public officials, fewer politicians, fewer businesses, whatever, being covered by a regular journalist. And I think that's gonna just shape American life in a bunch of very negative ways. And in turn, I think there's gonna be a greater push to to try to fill the holes as much as possible to provide some kind of alternative to traditional local newspapers Um, just today. My old boss, David Plotz of Slate, uh, formerly of Atlas Obscura, announced a, a new project to do, like local journalists, local journalism podcasts. Like people, uh, my understanding is that he'll work with um, local journalists around the country to produce podcasts about their their towns, their cities, and so on and so forth. ProPublica has hired, you know, just hired a dozen people to cover local in regional news. I mean, I think more and more institutions are trying to going to try to fill the gap, um, and we might even see efforts to get the federal government to do something, since the collapse of local and regional news really is um, very important um, and, and potentially quite negative for the society as a whole.
0: So you mentioned that project with the podcasts do you think you know i mean podcasts have definitely been a thing that we've seen emerge over the last few years as this massive medium do you think that there's going to be a lot more of that kind of in the digital space that's going to be able to fill those gaps where people might not necessarily need that local publication that would usually be in existence because you know they're as you said they're going away where they'll be able to kind of create their own digital platforms and whether it be podcasts or making like a Wix website and posting stuff. Do you think there's gonna be a lot more of that popping up in the next couple of years?
1: I mean, people still need journalism. there will still be journalists, people wanting to do journalism. And so I think as local outlets decline, there will be many attempts to kind of find some kind of substitute. I mean, here in Charlottesville, Virginia, here in Charlottesville, there are, there's at least one news nonprofit that is, does work that the newspaper does not do. There are a handful of journalists who have their own Patreons and Substacks for doing independent journalism. Yeah, there's, there, are, there are people trying to fill the gap. And I think however it looks, there will be people trying to fill the gap um, everywhere in the country.
0: So we talk about potential challenges, but also potential solutions and what journalists are facing today. So what's the case you would make for why someone should choose to go into journalism today?
1: At its best, journalism allows one to investigate and study with a purpose. And I think if that's something that drives you, you should look into journalism. Like I, you cannot, the, the industry is in tumult, you know, there aren't as many jobs as there, were, there once were. It's a difficult, it's a difficult way to make a living. That's, there's no question about that. But there are people for whom that searching for information, that seeking is sort of overpowering and that you have to do it. Um, and I think my case for journalism is that it still remains the best place to do that kind of work and to make an impact, um, whether that is as a news reporter, as an investigative journalist, as an opinion journalist, you can use those platforms and that power really to, to really make a difference um, to, to people. And so that's, I think that's the case for doing it, um, all recognizing that it's, it's gonna be hard and it's going to be uh, difficult.
0: You know, just kind of, you know, approaching graduation and looking at the landscape, it definitely is a bit intimidating for sure, but something that I see is something, that, you know, very vital and something that even if, as our, my generation of people who are going into journalism might be facing these challenges, it's definitely important that we kind of navigate it and figure out with what we're being dealt with and try to, yeah. you know, kind of pick it up and put it together. Yeah. So what kind of... I guess, platforms or outlets or, I guess, specific people, do you think that people in my generation and my age group that are, you know, looking at journalism as a career option and wanting to go into it, what should we kind of be looking at? Like, what, what do you
1: recommend? Uh, what do I recommend? I don't know. I mean, I read lots of the mainstream stuff that everyone reads. You know, I read The Times, obviously, The Post, you know, there are a bunch of magazines I read. I read lots of books, and I, 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 I would like to say a brief for just reading lots of books that in addition reading books just helps your brain think in a different way helps your brain think in a deeper way and I think that reading books reading books on subjects that you haven't interest in or you, it doesn't have to be necessarily related to what your what your beat is um, I think that can be a very fruitful way of engaging your mind and educating yourself I think building a a reservoir of knowledge that isn't just about current events is a really important thing to have as a journalist. Um, Even if it's not necessarily something you're going to be writing about it, I think it does help train your brain in the right kinds of ways.
0: Yeah, that's definitely something I've been trying to do more lately is read more books and definitely about topics I like, but also by journalists. So I can just kind of, you know, when I'm reading, think in that way, like you said, and just become better as a thinker and a writer and put it together. Yeah. Uh, and so I guess for my closing question, what advice do you have for incoming and current journalism students?
1: Uh, I mean, it would. I guess it would be something similar to what I just said to, I think kind of the paramount, the, the, the thing that you must have as a journalist is intellectual curiosity. And I think, once you never let go of that, Never. once you never become sort of satisfied that you know everything, that um, as you pursue this, however, whatever path you take to always maintain uh, both a curiosity about the world and a sense of kind of your, your, for the lack of a better term, your epistemological limits, what you can know and what you what you know that you don't know. I think that knowing what you don't know Uh, is so important um, because it can uh, help you help keep you humble as you investigate things and force you to really try to cover your bases and answer all the questions that might be available
0: all right well thank you for coming on i know we have only a couple minutes left so Thanks for taking the time to sit down and talk to me about this. I really appreciate it. I know the school really appreciates
1: it. So, Oh, my, my pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more, you can find us at clas.uiowa.edu backslash sjmc. And if you want to listen to more of the podcast, you can find us at the Iowa Journalist Podcast hosted by Apple Podcasts.